Ahoy, mateys. This is Adrienne Barbeau, your nightlight, and you are listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. And yes, genius, you can call me Billy. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that for a stretch knew the absolute bliss of sleeping on a waterbed. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're taking our time and concentrating hard as we put together the perverted puzzle that is 1982's Pieces. And if you want to listen into a podcast that is exactly what you think it is, all you need to search is Nightmare Junkhead and wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. I'll open your bastard there! And if you are out on social media and you want to follow along on some of our shenanigans, uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And on Facebook right now, especially this time of year, you can find all of our horrific holiday happenings. Mm -hmm. It's the second most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) We're launching full on into holiday horror. It's the fantastic time. It's the mixing of the two genres. And this is coming out on the 6th. So shout out to back uh, going a week back to all the vendors who came out. Of course. And that's Mary Axmas. A grand time was had by all. It will happen again in the Michael Myers uh, space. Yep. It's the start of the Christmas season in Christmas horror. Let's like fucking go on in. Yeah. We got some cool holiday horror things coming up. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, starting on Tuesday, December 10th. If it's Tuesday, you know, I'm going to be at the uh, Alamo Draft House Terror Tuesday. And the film that is screening here is a film that I can't even say I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a film that I believe is getting its U.S. theatrical debut. It's an Agfa print, and it's I've heard it is if you enjoy if you if you put together equal parts Home Alone uh-huh. and a Killer Santa film, you're going to get this French horror film called Dial Code Santa Claus. Oh, de le bon. Man, I can't wait to see that. That looks insane. Basically, a killer Santa versus Kevin McAllister. Dude, that's Christmas shenanigans in the making. And I've heard it's a very unique kind of film, and it's definitely one I want to see on the mm-hmm. big screen. Now, that being said, obviously, we're going to give a Shutter shout out when we can, but it's also going to be streaming on Shutter starting in December as well. Nice. But obviously, I am holding off because this is a film that I do want to experience with folks because I guarantee... Everyone's going to be seeing this for the first time. It looks nuts. And that's the thing. I want to, I actually, I don't want to see anything of it. I don't, I haven't sought out the trailer at this point. I want to go in as blind as possible because when I've done that with a few Terror Tuesday screenings, they've been fan freaking tastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is one I cannot wait to put in, hopefully, my holiday horror rotation. Yeah. And speaking of a holiday horror rotation, I know there are so many people out there, normies included. And we do that because it's a fantastic film. But on December 11th at Screenland Armor, come back to the Futterman curse. Mm-hmm. G- going to a Joe Dante classic, 1984's Gremlins. Yeah. I love that movie. Oh, God, God. Like, 
Uh, See I'm where gonna, Frank Welker gets his start. Yep. You can check it out at the Alamo, or I'm going to be hosting that at the... That will have already happened. Oh, yeah. Okay, back in time. I'm sure a grand it time was, a gra- was A grand time was had, and all, everybody was like... Nah, 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 nah. See, this is what happened when we bank episodes, ladies right. and gentlemen. We're going a little bit... We have to think, like, <laughs> a few weeks ahead. <laughs> Next thing I know... <laughs> I, th- I think we've got a gremlin in yeah, the I microphone know, I, right I, now. I, I think it was a gremlin. But, you know, come for the gremlins, but stay for the horrible Santa Claus story as given by Phoebe Cates. <laughs> it's such a downer out of nowhere. But then, like, also, then it goes into cartoon land with the spoilers for gremlins with, um, oh, gosh, uh, the when the old lady, <laughs> Mrs. Deagle, just... Well, this is a film that I think speaks to the power of collaboration. When you get Steven Spielberg putting together a world and let Joe Dante run wild in it, mm-hmm. is why I think because you get the Amblin feel, yeah. But then you get the Joe Dante spin, and this is why I think also why Poltergeist works so well is because you get a world set with Spielberg, but then you let Tobey Hooper loose into it and you get that film it's collaboration man and i think the cool thing about gremlins is like like you said normies can get into it because i'm sure there's a lot of people who are like it's not christmas until i see gremlins and what better way to do it at the big screen and it's a pg right horror film this is a gateway film people get got in this movie well we should say this is 1980s pg so you've been (laughs) warned uh, but then also, save the date. Uh, we don't know the specific time. We're uh, still p- uh, penciling that in. Uh, but go ahead and pencil in December 21st. Yeah. Uh, our uh, Is this going to be our fifth one? It is. Our fifth annual Christmas with the Nerds, where we're going to have an action, a horror, and a comedy Christmas movie. Oddly Christmas movie. Well, that's our whole thing. Our triple feature is built around the kind of Christmas. F- Ultimately, if you ever see a screening Die Hard or um, a Christmas story. Yeah, we we hit rock we, bottom. We've given up. Examples: We've showed Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. We've showed Invasion USA, Everly. I, I come in peace. So Santa Slay, Santa Slay, Silent Night, Deadly Night. So we have the that's you know. But of course, if you're listening to the show, you know our flavor. So it's going to be a good time had by all. Is this lineup's going to be rad, dude? I'm excited for this one. And there's one in here that I know has been on a request list from a, a, a couple of people that have been here the last few years. And me. And you as well. And me. This is one of my absolute favorite. Yep, I can't wait. And I will also say we're going to open up with an actioneer mm-hmm. that, much like Invasion USA. It's wonderful. It's it's a canon classic. Yeah. And is loosely connected with Christmas, but it's his <laughs> oh, Christmas so with wonder- the nerds. Also so wonderfully loose. We're definitely going to program what we do. But uh, December 21st, <laughs> uh, Screenland Tapcade, make sure to save the date. Shenanigans. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're opening our... Uh, first episode here in the month of December with a segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we closed November with uh, a scoring with episode. What's the score? And we're opening this one with a segment we like to call I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Now I've seen that comes from where uh, have you ever been genius when you're in a polite horror company and they're talking about a movie that you haven't seen. Yeah. But you've seen enough trailers. Uh, you've been online that if they talk about this movie... I know enough where I can bluff my way. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, the bad part. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. We've all been there. I've and seen it's, that. And it's so horrid that we do that. But, you know, you don't want to lose nerd cred. So, like... So, we built a segment called I've Seen That where either one or both of us are going to 
you know, admit to a film that we've never seen, mm-hmm. get to watch it for the first time, and then obviously share our thoughts on it. And that's the beauty of this segment is to finally get to experience these movies for the first time. Experience is a good word for a lot of these movies. Well, and especially to this the film. One. <laughs> especially gonna... this one. Well, and if you've gone throughout the uh, the podcast, we often talk about kind of forming relationship with movies. Everything from like experiencing movies at different points in your life where like, you know, for example, Return of the Living Dead, when I saw it initially as a kid, I always identified with the punk rockers. Yeah. But now as I get older, uh, you know, (laughs) James Karen. Like this job. (laughs) I start identifying and changing. So my relationship with that film has changed. But there's also films that you have relationship with because of certain events that happen to you. In life, uh, we've talked. We actually did an episode on nerds and nostalgia about that, um, and I've so it just so happens that Pieces is a film that truly I can say I've seen that uh, built around the fantastic trailer that's out there. Uh, we watched it beforehand. Uh, that great teaser trailer because well, is, you don't need to be in Texas for a chainsaw saw massacre. massacre. <laughs> this film is built around two wonderful catchphrases. That one right there. Mm-hmm. And the tagline itself, <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is, which is fucking brilliant. It's Pieces, fan- blood font. Well, I wonder what this is about. It's exactly what you think it they is. Throw a ch- they throw a chainsaw in there. They're tell- and they're, but, they're but it sh- ain't. But it ain't. <laughs> they're kind of showing. They're kind of telling. Uh-huh. But it's brief. It lets your mind wander. <laughs> and my mind totally wandered. And this was the first time I got to see it, actually. was It was a sight unseen built on the trailer. And uh, Grindhouse Releasing put out this fantastic Blu-ray. And so I went out and picked it up because I was like, you know what? Even if I don't like the movie, there is, and this is worth the price of admission alone, there's this documentary on there. It's this 42nd Street Memories. Do you remember watching that? Oh, yeah. It's classy. Well, and it, it, it details. <laughs> it's the beaded curtains, man. Oh, I mean, it t- it's exactly how I wanted to experience 42nd Street from the safety <laughs> from of my distance. own home. Yes. <laughs> But ultimately, I was kind of anticipating my first viewing of Pieces, and it did not disappoint. Was it exactly what you thought it was? It was exactly what I thought it was, Um, but it was by myself here in this very basement. And throughout the running time, as I'm enjoying it, I'm actually going, man, this is great, but I can't wait to see this with a crowd you know, I want to see this with a bunch of people experiencing this film and reacting to it because there are scenes in this film that you have to react insane. to. Insane. So if you go Magnifico. back. Magnifico. <laughs> if you go back to, obviously, we just talked Terror Tuesday. Well, sure enough, uh, you know, you if you go to the episodes, we were plugging it. Terror Tuesday did pr- uh, have a screening of pieces coming up. And I was built up to it. I was so excited and uh, that night, and this is something I freely admit, you know, I've been struggling with anxiety, dealing with depression, and sure enough, man, I got something happened, triggered me, and I, I had a full-on panic attack. I left before the movie even started, mm. and it was a bummer because, number one, it's like, God, panic attacks, blah, blah, but also I'm like, God, I'm missing pieces on the big screen, man. This is my chance to see it with the crowd because we always talk about the communal experience. Yeah. It's one thing to see it, you know, at home, but man, it's another on the big screen with the crowd. So that was a like, you know, it's bad enough to have kind of an, a panic attack, but it's another to miss something you've been looking forward to for so long. That's true. But I'm also finding that the next best thing from seeing in the crowd is seeing it at home with a group of people. Well, then actually like minded individuals. So 
flash forward then a few weeks and a random Friday night, uh, there's three, there's four of us together. It's uh, you, myself, uh, Mount Baldy, Dustin, and our friend Abby, who's been on the show before, uh, go back to our Blood Diner and she died. <laughs> and our festivals and marathons episode. And I had the, I knew I realized, I was like, you know what? I think this is my opportunity because I'm pretty sure if I were to, if we were in a crowd and like, hey, genius, you seen pieces? I've seen that. It's there exactly what you think it is. I knew <laughs> Dustin had never seen it. Oh, yeah. But I couldn't guarantee anything with Abby because she's got a pretty good background in horror. But sure enough, it would have been a first time viewing for all three of you. So, Bravo on the choice. Well, and Excellent choice. Well, and that's when I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, this is, I didn't get to experience on the big screen, but... Here in the comfort of my own home with some of my really close friends, I'm going to experience their first viewing with them. So that being said, Genius McGee, your first viewing of Pieces, how was it? I fucking loved that movie. I'll watch it right now. We just like, (laughs) (laughs) that movie was insane. It was exactly what I thought it was, um, but it was so much more. There was so many. There's so many wonderful parts of this. It's it's gory. It's fucked up. It's mean. It's it's red, full of red herrings. It's it's gory as shit. It's funny. It's it's sexy. You know. It's like I mean, like Aaron my quote. You know. Uh, it's gratuitous as shit. It's 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 almost <laughs> the quintessential slasher film. You know, because you get a little bit of everything because you definitely get a lot of American gore. You get a, definitely a lot of Italian sensibilities and motifs. You get um, a Spanish flair. You know what I'm saying? So it's like <laughs> it's like this like uh, Tex-Mex buffet of, of, of vileness. It's wonderful. Well, and that's the best thing is because there is definitely a cultural translation issue going on. Uh, this is a Spanish production. And ultimately, one of the great things is you talk about it being there are a lot of slasher, kind of the pinnacle slasher. But this is also what we were saying was kind of a Spanish or Spanish jalo. Yeah, gelato. That's what it is. Because if you look at it, Jalo. it's truly a whodunit. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, there's a lot of red herrings. Because the killer, you the whole time you see the killer and he looks like um a neighborhood watch association picture come to life. Just like with, or like the hamburglar, but evil. Because he's got the hat and the dark trench coat and you can't see the face. You always see him in silhouette. And you and then here's the thing. So normally in Jallo, you see him brandishing a knife and you see the flash of the blade. Yeah, you see the flash of the blade. But in this one, you do a lot. But you also see the flash of the chainsaw. And, of course, the chainsaws are then therefore held by black gloves. Mm-hmm. So it's hitting all of those tropes. But as you say, it ups the ante, as you would with a slasher film, and goes full-on gore fest. And you, this is early 80s, before the MPAA really cut into things. It's fucking gratuitous as shit. Well, let's go ahead and start from the beginning because I will say this: this is a film. It's very. Uh, it's more than thirty years old at this point. So We're spoilers. Gonna... <laughs> but also, this is a film that you could not throw in uh, an intro horror fan. No, this is not horror one hundred and one. Actually, we goof spoilers because it's a thirty-year-old movie. But seriously, spoilers ahead because we can't talk about this movie without like getting into it. And I've never seen this until a couple of weeks, and I'm pretty steeped in horror. So like. Yeah, I this movie was a pleasant, pleasant surprise. Well, the intro itself, I think, is going to tell you if you're the person you're going to be with can stomach stomach this film <laughs> you got because ten year old kid playing with porno puzzles, like. <laughs> 
let's talk about the puzzle itself because the you know, it comes it, into play. <laughs> it truly does. And before I actually left uh, Terror Tuesday that horrible night, uh, a we actually had someone donated that exact puzzle. Get the fuck out of town. They did. They did. It is a thing you can buy out there. And to me, it was something that you could have gotten at Spencer's if they had a room with a beaded curtain. Mm-hmm. Until it turned into the store with a beaded curtain. Exactly. Yeah. But you gotta, you have a kid killing his mother in, in a hardcore, nasty, gory scene. Mm-hmm. And then, because she busts him in his porno, he's he's just making a puzzle, puzzle. Right? and he goes like, "Look at all this filthy porn, just like your father." And she goes on this like telenovela rampage where she's like slapping him around and flinging open his drawers and like, "What other dirty pillows you have in here?" It's very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he comes out with a big ass axe and like fucking Lizzie Borden's her ass, and it's insane because it's like it's gory. It's like. And this is the second film within like three weeks at this point that has opened with killer kids, right? blood rage, and yeah. pieces. Uh-huh. Well, and if that's not enough, then you get a cut where the kid then is literally sawing her into pieces. And there's pieces of the mother thrown all over the floor, and he continues to make the puzzle. Meanwhile, the Keystone cops are trying to bust in. And next thing you know, he's like, oh, some bad man came and took mommy. And then like, oh, my goodness. So at that point, exactly, then you hit the, and the wonderful bit of music, and I think the irony is the pieces soundtrack is literally pieces of various Italian music cues Mm -hmm. from other films. Yeah. But <laughs> some some are well placed. Some come out of nowhere, and some are like, "What the fuck?" Well, that's the thing. At this point in the film, you're either with this film or you're just like, you know what? I'm gonna have to bow out because out. it goes yeah. extreme. Like you said, it's a mean movie. Mm-hmm. So it opens with a mean kill, but at the same time, given the nature of the film, what it is, there were those odd people that are gonna kind of have that laugh reaction, right? Just like, oh. It was, that, it was, it was, yeah, it was like, okay, we're, well, we're in for this now. So this, like, that was actually like a true litmus test. Interesting choice of opening scene, but hey, way to weed out the, uh, the chaff, you know, if, like, <laughs> who can handle this? And then, cause next thing you know, it then goes into another killing. It's not, it doesn't fuck around. It's like, okay, let's show some ass and let's kill some people. And then like, okay, here we go. Again, this is like one of those roller coaster rides where it's just a lot of down. Just like it comes out the gate in a whirly whirl and then it slows down for a bit and then it's like corkscrews your ass. Well, what I love is the in the downtime because, again, the highs are these gratuitous kills and there's some really good special effects work going on there. Uh, Basilio Cortijo, I believe, is actually mm-hmm. the one that put his work on there and it's really good because it's effective. Um, it's very gory, but the the downtime in between I think works so well is because of the peculiarness of everything, the, the dialogue. Speaking of, okay, so it oh, we just said it opens up with the killing of the mom. Then it opens up with the killing of the ass. And, and the I, first line of dialogue we hear is, hey, have you heard of what's going around, what happened in school? What? We just got a new waterbed in the gym. Oh, awesome. Oh, I love a waterbed in the gym. My favorite thing to do, or what my idea of having is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed. That is the exact first dialogue we see. And then she tries to go diddle her teacher. So, like, welcome to pieces. It's insane. And then it just goes more and crazy from there. 
it, it sets itself up as a college shenanigans film with the Jallo setting. So the Sex done behind it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's that's what you think it is, perfect. <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. Well, and it's so funny is that whatever baggage you bring, whatever <laughs> yeah, it's gonna things take you. you're dealing with. Is it like the Rorschach of horror? Quite possibly. <laughs> like, what What do you think it is? I think it's a slasher. It's exactly what you think it is. What do you think it is? I think it's a jello. It's exactly what you think it is. What do you think it is? I think it's a teenage sex horror comedy. It's exactly what you think it is. Oh, maybe the most versatile film we've covered at this point. Exactly. This is all seasons. <laughs> but there's it, a jack-o'-lantern, a Christmas tree. All the holidays are covered too. Well, and it's funny because you, when you're here at home, you can react differently than you do at the theater. <laughs> and I will just say this, you know, when we're here at the, when we're at the Alamo, when we're at Screenland, we're quiet. Professional, professional we, movie watch. Very much so. But when you're at home, you could react differently, mm-hmm. but the the challenge of because just the absurdity of everything that's presented because this film is very 1980s. This film is very 1980s, shot through a Spanish idea of what the U.S. is in the 80s. Yeah, it's like because then it turns into Revenge of the Nerds because you have uh, uh, you have Nerdlinger, you have Thunder Gunning it, you have like all sorts of stuff. Our protagonist is a fuck machine who also wants to be a cop. You know what I'm saying? It's like the Americans they love titties, you know, and like <laughs> it, it hits everything you needed back in 1982. Es bueno. You know, <laughs> but, sexy. but I think that's what elevates this film to the point where <laughs> this is something I would show someone that I wouldn't have them watch this as a first time slasher. No, this is advanced slasher. But this is also one I think that if you know your audience, it's going to play wonderfully. <laughs> you don't want to show this movie to like the wealthy Dowinger or like <laughs> they got the opera glasses watching the thing. You don't want to show them that because like there's waves of blood in this movie. Well, if we don't do it as um, cosplay sometime for our costumes for next Nerdoween. Yes. <laughs> as we can guide people through a classy event. No, no, obviously not. This is something that you're going to show your film. Again, the three people I'm showing it to for the first time, I'm guaranteed two of them I know are going to enjoy this Dustin I didn't know how he would react <laughs> because if you know Dustin he's kind of our resident action effort, uh, 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 expert for the most part and I, we've he's watched you know Blood Diner before yeah. he's uh, seen some weird movies if there was ever a perfect quote to describe Nightmare Junkhead Dustin had it it was like Another weird horror movie I've seen with you guys. And so... <laughs> You're welcome. You're right. Because <laughs> he, he laughed throughout, as you will with this film, because, again, even through just the absurd lines, how kind of broad everyone is playing it, you get to the, the anatomy professor, who's also... He's playing in another film entirely. <laughs> and then it's just, like I said... it. And then you get yourself kind of, you see the cast of characters. You've mentioned it before, the nerdlinger. Um, but the reddest of red herrings, the person whose <laughs> kind of visions that you see on this film that you you're, you're associate with it, uh, Willem, uh, is, played pl- is played by Paul Smith in this film. 
who, who I was, we made a joke because he li- we were like, oh, dude, that's Gimli, you know, I'm like, no, that's that's uh, give me the whip, you know, like, no, that's not I'm like, oh, it's Bluto, right? Because we were like, oh, gonna take olive oil because the whole time, the whole time he's there with like hedge clears, uh, hedge clippers, and he's just sneering. It's, it's an advanced level of mean mugging. <laughs> And I'm glad Mean Mugging is coming back. Uh, go back to our Ready or Not episode where there's some good Mean Mugging. Uh, actually, in Knives Out, mm-hmm. there's some good Mean Mugging there's going on. There's some good on. Mean Mugging. But, but Paul Smith Mean Mugging. <laughs> He's going to take you back to his fortress as soon as he finds the teams up with the sea hag. It, it feels like he's going to chew his way out of the screen <laughs> in, into your living room. Like, that is the next level. It's in his eyes. It is in his body performance. It is unfreaking real. He, he looks like he's like one word away from, let me tell you, mean Gene. You know, just like. Cutting the best promo ever. Right. Just like. And he fucks people up. So, like, a lot of, again, spoilers, red herrings. Like, he comes into this crime scene where this girl, after an epic saxophone plays, she gets mutilated. We'll talk about sex, but she gets mutilated. He comes in, sees the chainsaw, gets blood on him. Next thing you know, the cops bust in. He takes on like seven, eight cops. Just starts wailing on him. Throwing him into pools and shit. It looked like when Colossus in the X-Men arcade game would power up and go, Aah! That's looked like what he did multiple times. He's taking board breaks like a like a Bruce Lee devotee. It's unreal, and it. But again, it is so funny watching him react, and he is brutish. Like there's a legit re- and it's incredible. The cinematic journey that Paul Smith has taken is kind of incredible because this man, uh, as we mentioned, he played Bluto in the Popeye movie, which means he's worked with Robert Altman. When we joked that it was Bluto, we didn't know it was fucking really Bluto. Exactly, because <laughs> you never would think the guy that played Bluto would be would... in pieces. I guess it is exactly what you think it is. Well, the, well that's what the guy kind of... But ultimately, his very first film, he was an uncredited extra in the film Exodus as directed by one Otto Preminger. So think about that. The guy that is the the reddest of red herrings, the guy that is mean mugging, that is chewing, chainsawing his way through all the scenery here. Think where he got started, mm-hmm. and now all of that experience culminates into Willem, and this this amazing. <laughs> and that's the best way to put it because that's what he does. He has minimal dialogue, but he's oh, so does memorable. Beat ass and sneer. That's what he does. Like they, he should be credited as goon. You know, because he's wonderful in it, and he's not the—he's not the, even the only one that's goofy and wonderfulness. The the professor, doc, a professor like the crusty diddler, you know, Professor Diddle, because yes, he's like the Rrr. dean. No, the, there was the pro- oh, the red herring, hu- the hu- humanities professor. Oh no, the anatomy professor. Yeah, where he goes, you know, I'm not a forensic scientist, but it looks to me. This was done by this chainsaw. Meanwhile, there's like body parts all over the place, cut in pieces. I mean, this is a literal movie. This is not like, I wonder why they called it pieces. Well, as you mentioned before, he is one of the many um, suspects that play along here. And uh, what pieces this film together, quite literally, are those kill scenes. Um, And we do have some 
wildly memorable kill scenes in this one. Uh, anything that tops for you right now? <laughs> um, well, the first one was a really good kill. From the get-go? But the hand getting chopped off in the elevator. Oh, yeah. That was a good one, too. Well, the fact that he had that entire chainsaw hidden hidden behind the whole time he's walking down the hallway like all in black do 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 with a bright yellow ass chainsaw and so you got to have a little bit of dispension to disbelief but it works because he puts it to good use but that's not even his only weapon he's kills with axes he kills with knives he, he but when he he does his best work with the chainsaw well and the the knife kill in there the one that kills me is the waterbed <laughs> oh, which no. technically it's like Chekhov's waterbed uh-huh. you know the one you, they just got in the gym well there's what what proves to be and again seeing this with you guys was it's super enjoyable because there's always those little gaffes that happen in movies where you see something you shouldn't be maybe they should have like cut just like a half yeah. a second and ultimately in this particular kill you see him put this little fake knife into the back of her head and where they should have cut they don't and you ultimately see this yeah. like rubber knife <laughs> And then you get the cut where you see the knife coming out of her mouth, and you, you're just like, "Oh, you guys missed like an epic, gruesome kill." It would have been rad. And you, instead of getting, "Oh, you get ha ha ha," but other ones were the the knife through the torso or the chainsaw through the torso was a good one. That was gruesome. I think they actually used a an actual pig carcass for that. Ah. Uh. Yeah, that would that makes sense. Because then they say in a gangs of New York, pig flesh is like human flesh. <laughs> I always get every time I just picture Bill the Butcher, I drink your milkshake and I just get my worlds crossed. But <laughs> no, um, this movie was fantastically insane. There was, I think, one of the best kills was right after the saxophone. When she goes in like the pool, yeah. And then, of course, the, the wah, 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 and he captures her with the net, and then he and she's like, "I'm like duck," and she's like, "Ah!" And then he just gets her up, and he chainsaws her in a pool, and then just all these pieces everywhere. Such a funny, good movie. And it sounds like I can only imagine if like a someone was new to the podcast and was just getting the horn, like making light of this, but that how the, the movie is just presented and just such an absurd, this is not like mean a la hostile. Right. As you might get with a chainsaw and that no, kind of. It's still, a, it's still, a, <clears throat> and they're not trying to be funny. They're being serious. And that's what <laughs> makes it so much. And we're not laughing at it. We're laughing with it because we thoroughly enjoy it. It's, oh yeah. This is a film. We're like horror a- fans. We'd like to see guts and gore and they provide the guts and gore. It's, it's equal parts scream. It's equal parts uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the chainsaw, right? It, it's a good Friday the Thirteenth Who Done It. There's there's insane music cues. Let's talk about some of the music. Cues okay. In there. Oh my goodness. So the the music cues, like I said, were truly pieced together, and I do have a few examples now. One of the things I do like actually is um, with some of the title cards. We get this nice little, almost a lullaby-esque thing called a strange symbol. Right, something that you would expect with a that, horror film. That's when he's putting the puzzle together. And we see that puzzle for like 10 fucking minutes through this movie. Now, this is also a uh, film that has a lot of uh, little synth going. And this one is truly synthtastic.
There it is. Coming out the same year as The Thing. The driving beat there. And then, and this is the best part because, again, there are some of these crazy edits and crazy cuts that you get a la Blood Rage. Mm -hmm. Where you're going from something very serious and very gory to something very crazy shenanigans, including a skateboard scene. (laughs) Out of nowhere, after we just saw Brutal brutal Kill, we see this girl on the skateboard. And then uh, like a glass window comes out. Like, I'm surprised you didn't see the word Acme written on the side of it. But then we get this particular musical skew. And it drives the shenanigans a bit more. Sessions presents AM South, go, or AM Gold, Going South, with all the nitty gritty dirt band and all the other country hits. Just like, it was one, and like shenanigans ensue, and then next thing you know, murder. But then we saved one of the best ones for last. Uh, this, this cue is called Cocktail Molotov. And we've mentioned it before, a little bit of a saxophone. Well, prepare yourself, because you're getting it full, full blast here. Full frontal. Present Nightmare Junkhead After Dark. It's such a sleazy movie because, like, she's like, it's gratuitous as shit because that saxophone happens just when she pens um, our hero a, a note saying, "Hey, you want to go bang in the uh, in the pool?" Okay. And so next thing you know, wah, 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 wah. now interestingly enough, do you know where that cue comes from and who actually <laughs> composed that particular cue? Mm-hmm, the person who thinks I'm a freak. Fabio Fritzi. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> the, the man who sold my cattle. Uh, as, as unfortunate as that was, yeah, that is done by Fabio Fritzi. Now, the other one that I love. <laughs> the other one. This is the one. Okay, again, I wonder what Americans like. You know, the biggest show is that 60-minute workout, right? <laughs> oh, that is see the thirty-minute workout. Oh, I one. can't. That one I can't find right now. Oh. <laughs> I know. We'll get to the aerobics piece, but we also get a little bit of the the cool kind of prog rock as well here, where. Just that it's fucking rad, dude. The music is dope. It gives a nice, cool flavor to it, you know, which and it's again just adds it makes it a more fun, unique experience. But then all of a sudden, John Philip Sousa comes out of nowhere. It's not a part of the soundtrack. It's part of the plot. But it's so ridiculous because it leads to another gratuitous ass scene of nudity and then violence and murder. Well, and that was the particular one I believe you called. Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> there's this there's a point it actually builds up to one of the scenes that this film is known for the the the, the big overacting with uh susan um oh my goodness i'm uh good lord going to the end of a- but anyway so this girl the one of the ten is victim number four right she's over there playing tennis and all of a sudden 
dun, 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 like some like marching band. And I was like, dear leader requests all, <laughs> all athletes, please head to the showers immediately. Right. And next thing you know, here she goes to head in the showers. Do, 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 right. And I was so like, genius. It was exactly what you thought exactly. it was. We're like, whoa, is this a magical movie? Can we will things to happen? Is this what's happening? <laughs> it's what I, it's what you want to see. I mean, not what you want to see, but when you're looking for a horror movie and you're having a good time, you're expecting certain and you want an old school slasher you expect that kind of shit and that's the best part was hearing you say that and then knowing exactly what was about to happen and going <laughs> wow that was prescient yeah. or again it's hitting all those tropes that we enjoy and doing in such an absurd way nonsensical just turning the lunacy to 11 and bluto comes out of nowhere <laughs> it's that dark sailor you know and just like Chewing every bit of scenery he's in, it's unbelievable. But again, everyone was having fun. Dustin was reacting. He was laughing his butt off the entire time. Just looking at kind of giving me some sideways glances like, what is this? It's ridiculous, not in the fact that they tried to put on a show and it failed miserably. It's ridiculous in the fact that they threw everything they had and the kitchen sink and it fucking worked. That's, it's a fun movie and it's what, you it's exactly what you think it is i mean it's a pieces it's It's a it's a it's a slaughter fest it's it's wonderful this movie but it's best with people well and what's funny is the reason i really enjoy it is the fact that it hits that rule of being 90 minutes or less yeah it's quick lean mean well and what's so funny is the fact that it only goes like 82 to 87 minutes but there are so many interstitial scenes in there with the aforementioned aerobic scenes. Right? <laughs> extended aerobic scenes. Five minutes to the bathroom after extended aerobic scenes. Axel from Friday the 13th Part 4 would have a field day with this film, right? Um, there's the tennis scenes. Yeah. Oh, and let's not forget, it's an equal opportunity, full frontal. Uh, it's gratuitous on for everybody. Yeah, the hero of the film, ladies and gentlemen. He hangs dong, he thunder guns it. <laughs> and then the next scene. So it's not, it's on, It's a very gratuitous, not close up, but like, you know. It's, and then the next scene, you know, he's standing in front of the window, a la Austin Powers. He has like a vase and a flower perfectly lined up to censor his naughty bits so like it's just like it's artfully done it is thank you jp simon for that that's just in case they had an edited version they needed to flip the script on it it would make it really easy to do that um (laughs) there's uh do you have to be so dramatic the fact that the (laughs) the passage of time is put together by the fat putting the like guy puzzle. puzzle together a, so we have extended scenes a nudie puzzle the kind that you got at like those old markets back in the day you could get it at Superflea now i think mm-hmm. just down the street from where i uh, where i reside um but no so you get extended bits of these just weird and again stretching this movie that doesn't necessarily without those can you imagine this movie would be done in like 50 minutes yeah yeah, but it leads to so many weird red herrings, but they're fun red herrings. You got Bluto, you got the crusty professor, you got the crustier Dean. You get a, you get a kung fu professor. Right? Uh, so this is 1982, should we say another time? Another place. But you also get that casual 80s racism right. with our kung fu professor. I mean, I was, with all the weird musical cues we got, I was just like grimacing for a freaking... Right, like I was just, 
I was like, no, 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 don't do it. Oh, thank you. But it was pretty, but again, it was pretty bad. But it another time, yeah, another place. But and it was out of nowhere, and then just nothing else was made out of it. No. And you're like, what the fuck is going on here? It was. It's crazy movie. There's that the um the casual homophobia mm-hmm. dismissive of Professor Brown and and that comes out as a weird interesting out plot of nowhere point. yeah it's but then we have the two cops yes. we have Lauren Green and Willem Dafoe <laughs> when you said the well, I believe Lauren Green and, and Billum yes Willem Dafoe. <laughs> well, that's Christopher George and Willem Dafoe. They actually well, and Christopher George actually plays the main uh, baddie in uh, Canon Films. Enter the Ninja, mm. actually, as does Linda Day George, uh, who is actually that is uh, plays uh, Misty in this film. Of course, there's some sort of Canon connection. Oh, there's always this a is... Canon connection in that. Uh, no, but that and that's what I love about the film. It just there's there's humor to it. Uh, the moment, the lead up to the bastard scene and that's the one where even that's that's and i've seen that for a lot of people mm-hmm. uh do, were you familiar with that particular scene just by snippets and clips but like not no context of what it is but it was great it's grand it's over it's that's what a lot of people remember now the, what's great with the particular blu-ray release that we have here is there's actually the spanish version on there and immediately once that moment passed, because I think what happened when I initially played the film, it started in the all in Spanish, Spanish. And I'm like, oops. Because the mom comes out. And she starts going off. And we're like, holy shit, is this in Spanish, right? It's Spaniard Spanish, right? And then the next thing you know, we're like, oh, let's get it back. So we got to the English dub. And then as soon as the she comes out, she's like, bastard, right? Super dramatic, over the top. And we're like, dude, we have to go back as soon as the movie's over and put that scene back in Spanish. Imagine how epic it would be. And it fucking was. Because she's over there. It's She's like, bastard, just like it's it, it's wonderful it's wonderful thank you grindhouse release <laughs> grindhouse pictures for this one that was again so worth but that kind of moment actually didn't it was kind of the streets of fire moment of like, you gotta go back dude that scene was rad so <laughs> no there's um again and then of course the, there's the classic crusty dean and ultimately we can't really talk about the film without the talking about the ending and just kind of how it kind of builds up to everything so as it turns out it is the dean mm-hmm. that is behind all these dispatchings again here. we warned you spoilers and we got more <laughs> but ultimately he drugs mary who is our undercover police officer and tennis pro tennis pro which is another side his movie is world, so crazy world famous tennis pro and don't forget there's also a world famous journalist and then <sighs> under going undercover. So there's two never been kissed scenarios going on in this movie. There are a lot of side mo- films that could <laughs> yeah, exist in 1982. Yeah, <laughs> got, this is a wonderful buffet. So again, you have the horror movie, you have the rom-com, you have like... If you're trying to a convince people... Movie, yeah, exactly. It's exactly what you think it is. It's the Rorschach of horror. So like... <laughs> but ultimately, everyone finds out it is the Dean. They they traverse upon the Dean. The Dean has drugged Mary, and she's in this like horrible, paralyzed state. And he was this whole thing was I think she's got the legs at this point and the feet mm-hmm. because as we see, he's Tarantino. He ooh ooh Tarantino's pieces. Yeah, That's exactly what, what you, you think, think it, it is, is motherfucker. <laughs> but throughout, as we've seen, uh, the, the 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 dispatching of the ladies throughout the film has led to him putting together 
the pieces of them. Mm-hmm. And the final pieces of the puzzle, it looks like, are the feet. And actually, it kind of makes sense because as we make our way through the film and as we put the puzzle, puzzle together, together, the feet are the last to go. So I guess the crowning thing that you need, it ties the body together, mm-hmm. so it to really speak. It really does. <laughs> That's what you need to feet. But uh, he's interrupted beforehand and... He's dispatched excellently. Oh yeah, well, and he's behind the curtains. Everyone thinks he's he's already he's gone. Out. The bumbling cops, and then our hero comes upon her, and he's trying to help her walk, and he's being all kind of condescending to her. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. But the entire time, she's got those eyes like, look over there, over there, look right behind the fucking curtain. Like you can see like the little shoes underneath the curtain it's... again, like a cartoon, right? She's, she's like over there, and sure enough, nah, and he the, comes out. So the dean pounces on him, and one of the great things that happens is he totally drops her, and the face plop that she does is horrible but bad enough we all laughed because it is so bad (laughs) but of course they're struggling to get together the knifers are clashing the the bumbling detectives come in dispatch of him in such a grand manner just straight away shot to the head Mm -hmm, they're too late (laughs) so the dean is dead yep um it seems like everything is okay She's coming, like, you know, she's going to be okay. The drugs are wearing off. And like, look what we found. We found the murder weapon. And then one of the cops is like, yeah, you can find all kinds of stuff if you're a cop. We searched this place. But splips up. Here's this. Sm- you get this reveal. The, 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 the like, little bookshelf they're leaning on. Scooby-Doo's it. Just, like, fl- turns around. Zoinks. And just, like, and there's this, like, put-together oh. corpse with a smile on the face and falls on her hero. What? You see, naked, this smiling. She is truly smirking mm-hmm. as the she falls time, upon him. The whole time. And he just lets out this yelp and tries like, get off. And it's a, it's a great reveal. It's a great little final scare. And had the movie ended there, I would have been happy. But wait, there's more. So we already, if he would have got dispatched, we would have been fine with it. It would have been like, <laughs> all right, that's a cool ending. That's fair. The Frankenhooker ending with the piece together thing, that would have been fair. I mean, that would have been all right, cool. But no, we got a Friday the 13th ending because this movie loves and Friday the 13th. There was references, posters, and in there. Oh, yeah. So how can we make a Friday the 13th ending with a jump scare? I know. <laughs> Let's get Frankenhooker to rip off our hero's testicles in a graphic manner. And not only in a graphic manner, but then we end on a freeze frame of oh. his foot. It's just like, oh, and his, and his eyes come like, 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 it's almost like, hey, we're not going to get laid, you know? And knowing in advance what was coming, I totally did the peripheral viewing with you guys. And you guys had that re- exact reaction because it is, a, oh, come on. What is this? What like, are you fuck? kidding me? Uh. So... That being said, the movie ends. We had that experience. We we went and watched again the scene in Spanish. Uh, but it is a movie that I think truly inspires multiple viewings. Yeah. Like, this is a film that, again, I would love to... I w- cannot wait to watch this film and, and have people watch it for the first time. Yeah. You know, expose people to an experience like this. But again, you have to know your audience. <laughs> exactly. But this movie is exactly what you think it is, but that <laughs> ending is not what I thought he expected. Well, no, to come, not so. at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. No. 
Well, you're waiting for the buildup of the reveal of the put together puzzle piece lady. Right. You know, the, uh, you need that. And you thought that that was the end. Like, okay, cool. That makes sense. Right. But like, no, let's throw everything at him again. So many movies are in this. It's the Rorschach of horror. It's fantastic. So I cannot recommend it enough. In fact, uh, Tis the the season, uh, the pieces Blu-ray does come with the CD of the soundtrack and the score there. Um, it is a perfect stocking stuffer, highly recommended. <laughs> but here in the month of December, we wanted to go ahead and still promote local. And we wanted to make sure that with every episode here in December, we are going to make a Rotten Reynolds recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rotten Reynolds, can you give us a breakdown of what they are there, Genius? They are on treasure trove of wonderfulness there are these old vhsl clamshell covers um with the cool artwork of these awesome horror movies inside but there's no vhs inside what it is inside are trading cards figurines stickers all sorts of cool stuff it's a really great stocking stuffer gift for your horror fan. These are definite stocking stuffers. So check them out at RottenReynolds.com. Uh, all things social media, I believe, Rotten Reynolds. And the one I am holding here in my hand is a Frank Henenlotter classic. And one that we I'm surprised we haven't devoted an episode to. We'll probably make, eventually maybe make talk about it sometime in a March episode. Who knows? And it's really funny, of all the Frank and Lauder we talk about, we've um, often spoke, this might be Gateway Hen and Lauder. Uh-huh. But we are, and if we had anything that tied to or pieced together yeah. <laughs> the film we're talking about, mm-hmm. you could go no no better than Frankenhooker. Want a date? Super crack. <laughs> Such. A little bit of super. I think, this, I think that's what helped make this movie pieces, was super crack. Because well, this was crazy. There's some true connective tissue with the film. Ah, connected tissue, well, connecting tissue. Well, no pun aside, that's what I thought was great with this. And it is such an... You want to talk about a wonderfully absurd film. A film that, mate, you actually said, didn't your... Remind me, didn't your mom watch this film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she saw it with so, me. So now, let me ask you this. Is your mom is your mom is definitely a normie? Yeah, but absolutely. I mean she's got some she's got some good taste, you know. Yeah, yeah. She Much likes like Dustin, Pre- she loves Predator. She loves RoboCop. She she's steeped in the eighties, but she's like, oh, I don't know, violence. So, what do you think? Do you think she would have liked Pieces? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No. I think because I think because it was campy in a different way. Frankenhooker. So was, she saw Frankenhooker. Yeah. And it was it was goofy, and it was like it was Pee Wee Playhouse horror because everything's way over the top, super crack silliness, the special effects by Screaming Mad George. It's insane. It's wonderful, and it, it's trying to be funny. This movie's not trying to be funny. This movie's rad in its own way. So I think this is why it was more accessible. And this also has a great VHS cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the whole one a date mm-hmm. becomes a meme in and of itself. And of the Frank Henenlotter kind of the trilogy, if you go like Basket Case, Brain Damage, and Frankenhooker, you could do worse for a triple feature. Oh, no. Yes, you can do worse because those are awesome movies. But it hangs up proudly on my wall and can hang on yours as well. So, again, check them out at RottenReynolds.com. Uh, for all your stocking stuffer needs. They're exactly what you think they are. Here in the month of December. <laughs> oh, it just, it writes itself. Yeah, it, it carries does. itself. Yeah, it does. But I am ultimately glad 
I got to share that film with you guys because it was a film I wanted from the first viewing. I knew I wanted to see with a crowd to just see how people reacted to it. Yeah. And I knew you were the appropriate crowd for that. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you did it, man. I want to thank you for introducing me to this rad ass movie, dude. This movie is great. Well, that's the best part of the I've seen that segment. At this point, we finally get to look forward to a lot of these films. And we'll be looking forward to a lot of other things here in the month of December. So until next time, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Oh.